speaks to our hearts, changes us, challenges us, transforms us, Lord. Lord, let our eyes be open and our hearts be open and our minds be open to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning we are uh, continuing in, on Ephesians chapter 3. We are on the second part of chapter 3. Now, this morning, we're going to be uh, looking at the prayer of Paul given to the church. You got to remember this morning that the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's in prison for being obedient to what the Lord has asked him to do. What's that? He, God has asked him to preach the gospel message to the Gentiles, to those that are not Jewish, to basically the world. He's bringing this message, and Christianity is seen as an as a illegal religion. And for that reason, he's in, he's in prison this, uh, in this time. Now, I want to say that in our world... Everyone bows and kneels down before something or someone this morning. Everyone. Even people that say that they don't believe in God and they don't serve God, well, guess what? They serve and they believe in themselves. Everybody bows down before someone or something. I remember a song from Boys to Men. It was called On Bending Knee. Who remembers that? Nobody? Okay, well, it's all right. Sometimes a relationship can get you down on your knees, having you begging, please. Anybody? No? <laughs> so, sometimes relationships, issues will get us to bow. Tim Tebow. Also known as, he's also, a, he's, he's a well-known football player. Was under media scrutiny because before every football game, he would get down on his knee, bow before the Lord in prayer. People hated that. Or at least some people, right? Media reporters and critics have to bow down before Hollywood. They... No matter how good movies are, whether if they're Christian-based or, or, or they have good content, content, it doesn't matter what it is. The media and, and those that are controlled by Hollywood, they need to bow down before Hollywood. They need to bow down before the agenda. Right? You have a whole generation of people today taking a knee for equal rights. And, and the point here is that a generation, a whole generation is looking at these people doing this and they're thinking, wow, they really believe in something. Maybe people don't physically bow before something. Maybe you're not bowing before it. But it can be easily seen who you serve and who you bow down to by the choices that you make. There are three aspects in the last chapter, the last part of chapter three that we'll be examining. And it's why, 
how and what Paul prayed for. Now, we're going to see here in verse 14 of chapter 3. Paul is praying for the families of God, not thinking on his own situation, but on others. This is the one way we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. When we begin to meditate and pray for others, even when we're in a difficult situation. It says in, in verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I want us to look at something this morning, that although Paul was in prison, his heart was tuned to the will of God. In another light, when our hearts are aligned with God's will, no matter the situation, his purpose will always carry forth. Maybe if, if I was in prison, maybe if it were me, I wouldn't be praying that. Maybe you wouldn't be praying that. Maybe we'd be praying, Lord, get me out of here. Bail me out. Send somebody Maybe King Stallman, someone, to get me out. Right? Maybe that would be our, our, our heart. Now, sometimes we are too focused on our problems that our vision gets clouded by what God wants to do in a situation. Paul was in prison, and even though he had his needs, and, and even though he, he, he was in a situation, a difficult situation, when it came down to praying and bowing before the Lord, he thought on the church. He, his eyes were still focused on God's will. What brings us to our knees this morning? Now, man or mankind can bow before his own works, and we see this in the Bible. We don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 7 through 8, it says, Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. It's speaking right here specifically about when the children of Israel at one time served God. Their heart was for the Lord, but as they allowed the pagan traditions, things that shouldn't have been on, in, their, in their hearts, as they begin to do that, they begin to uh, see prosperity, and they begin to see uh, many riches, as we can see here. And they begin to not bow down before the Lord, but their own work. This morning, 
We could all be in that situation where our focus is not on the Lord. We're not bowing before the Lord. We're not, you know, and, and bowing is really an act of surrendering, saying, Lord, my life is yours. My heart is yours. Everything I have is yours. But many times when we put our focus on the things that we've acquired, on, on the things that we have, it's very easy to get our eyes off of that, off of what the Lord is doing and on those things. Idols will bow down before the Lord Almighty. The idols will do that. Now in 1 Samuel 5, verse 2 through 4, it says, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up besides Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. I want to talk about two things that happens here. Two things that happens when God's present, when God's presence becomes present. See, the, the, the enemy in this story had acquired the Ark of the Covenant. Who's, who's watched Indiana Jones? Anybody? Raiders of the Lost Ark? All right. The Ark of the Covenant. And, and what they did is they said, wow, man, this, this Ark of the Covenant, it, it's blessing the, our, our enemy, the children of Israel. But now we have acquired it, so we're going to bring it into our house. And, and we're going to reap the same benefits. Because we're going to have that presence in our temple. And, and we're gonna, we, ha, we have our gods, we have our idols that we worship. And now we're just going to add on to it. And how many, knows, how many of you guys know that that is impossible to do? You, you can't just live your life the way that you want to and expect to, get, expect to have God's presence as well. See, what happens as, when, you become, when you come into a relationship with God is that you have these idols, these things that you worship. You know, everybody has them or ha, has had them. And what happens is when you give your life to Christ, the presence of God will come in and will make those idols bow. It says in this story, as if you read further, that not only did that idol fall down, but its head and its arms were cut off. And I want to tell you that when I read that, the Holy Spirit quickened me. And basically what I understood as a personal revelation, is that when God's presence is in your life, those idols that had a grip over your life, those idols that had an influence over your life will be broken. It says that the, when they came, they saw the idol, and they saw that its hands were broken and its head was cut off. When you allow God's presence in your life, those things that have a grip on you will lose their power. Amen? It says in this story that when God's presence was there, that because they didn't change their ways, 
Even though they had seen this miracle before them, they didn't change their ways. They just wanted the good stuff, but they didn't want the change. So what happened was they began to break out in, in, in tumors, the Bible says. And so they, they had to get rid of the presence of God. And I want to tell you that there's two things that happens in our lives. Either God's presence will change us or we will remove his presence from our lives. Idols will bow down when God's presence is present. Now, we're a work in progress. We have baggage. We have things that the Lord needs to deliver us from. But when God's presence is in our lives, those idols we once worshipped will bow down and be destroyed. Like Paul, there's one thing that we can understand about our prayers this morning. If we are compelled to pray for a closer relationship with God, then our hearts are towards the Father. If we are compelled to pray for the church, then our hearts are connected with God's people. If you are compelled this morning to pray for your children, then you have the heart of a mother or a father. How we pray determines and shows us what is in our hearts this morning. Now, I want to move on. In verse 16... It says that according to the riches of his glory, well, actually, let's, let's go back a little bit here. It says, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the spirit in your inner being. I want to stop right there. Now that Paul is praying, we know that he bowed down and he prayed. This is what he's praying. Paul is praying that your inner being, your inner man, would be strengthened. Now, the inner being is a part of the, of, of, your, of your person that is your spirit. We have a pretty good idea on how to strengthen our bodies, right? We have a pretty good idea on how to strengthen our minds and our relationships. But what about our spirit? How do we strengthen our spirit this morning? I want to tell you, as we read here in verse 16, that only the Spirit of God can strengthen our spirit. And the reason, I want to make a point this morning that what we see on social media, whether it be YouTube or, you know, what it is, whatever it is, they're beneficial they're good. Maybe, maybe it's a good message because I, I listen to good messages, guys. Maybe it's a, it's a one-minute sermon. Maybe it's um, something that you read that just really, man, that's great. And those things are beneficial. 
But the only thing that is going the only thing that will strengthen your spirit is when you begin to read the word of God. When you begin to read God's word, it's different than hearing a message. It's different than just reading those, you know, posts. It's different. It says here, let's, let's read Romans 7, verse 18 through 25. Actually, I'm going to start, I'm going to stop at verse 21. It says, verse 18, Romans chapter 7. Paul is saying, for I know nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. How many can say amen to that? For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do, but the evil I do not want, that's what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Verse 21 says, so I find it to be a law that when I do, that when, <laughs> that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. Verse 22 says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And then it, you know, uh, in verse 25 it says, So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. There's so much to unpack right there. But I want to focus on verse 22 where it says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And then in verse 25, it says, so then I myself will serve the law of God with my mind. The connection I want to make there is that Paul knows that his flesh is weak. Paul knows that there are things in his life, things in our lives that we do habitually. Things that are that, that maybe we regret and we ask ourselves, why did I just do that when I know it's wrong? We've all been, I think we've all been in that situation. But he's saying that when he meditates and he dwells on God's word, that's when he has the desire to do right. And it says that he, it, there's a law that he discovered that when he starts to do right, that evil is right there to meet him. And it says that he will serve the law of God. He will serve the word with his mind. When you read God's word, I want to tell you that your mind makes a connection. And there's a spiritual law that as you read God's word, it will begin to Put something in your spirit to want to do good. See, the problem that in, in our society and the problem everywhere is that we just don't have the desire to do good. It, it, it's not a desire. When it's a desire in you, you will do whatever it takes to do that which God has put in your heart. 
God is asking you to give more of yourself, it ain't going to happen just by sitting in church. It's not going to happen just by hearing a message that you think might transform your life. You're going to start to want to be obedient to the Lord when you start reading your word and your mind is making a connection with the word of God. Because it will go and it will strengthen your inner man. Or as Paul says it here, your inner being. Does that make sense this morning? Amen. Now, our inner being is strengthened when we get real with God. In Psalms 51, verse 6, King David, uh, actually in Psalm 51, King David writes a psalm of repentance. If you guys don't know what that is, it's, it's when you not only are sorrowful for what you've done, but you're ready to make a change. King David wrote a psalm of repentance. And in Psalms 51, verse 6, he says, Behold, you desire truth in my inner being. Make me, therefore, to know wisdom in my, most, in my inmost heart. You desire truth in my inner being. Now, I want to tell you that there are moments when we pray, and it's just surface. Father, forgive me for all the things that I've done, and... And it's, you know, it's all right. You know, I'm not, I'm not downplaying praying. But God desires truth from your inner being. It's like layers. I was cutting an onion on Saturday. And just peeling off the, the first layer didn't really get to me. But then, as I peeled off more layers, I started to cry a little bit. And as I got to the core, I couldn't stop. I couldn't hold back the tears. I had to cut away from the onion because, you know, onions will do that to you. See, God wants truth from your inner being. He wants you to get real with him. There are things that we say, Lord, forgive me because I sinned. What sin? Well, this. Why did you do that? Well, this. Did you know I can heal you? See, God wants to get to the, the, the innermost part of your being. He, he wants you to be truthful with him. See, man can't change you. Your spouse can't change you. A psychologist can't change you. But when you begin to get real with the Lord in prayer, your inner being becomes strengthened. And God can change you when you become truthful with him, with God. The word strengthens our inner being. And a heart of repentance strengthens our inner being. Now, 
Paul prayed for strength of the inner being. He also prayed that the love of Christ would dwell in us. Verse 17 of our text says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. Paul prayed that we would be strengthened, that we would also have the love of Christ, that it would dwell in us. And it says here that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. How many of you guys know that, or in, in elementary, I think we all planted pinto beans, right? We all did that. Right? Like a little clear cup and cotton. And maybe your kids brought that home one day, you know, and you put it right there on the, on the shelf and by the sunlight. And, and it's cool because it be, you, you, you get to see how beans grow. And like with every seed, the roots grow downward. And it says here to be rooted and grounded in love. Many times, growing in love is not upward. Many times, the roots have to dig into the soil. Many times, those roots need to break through the layers in our lives. And it's hurtful. And it's a process. And it, and it doesn't always feel good. But there's situations that are happening in your life and you're wondering, what is the purpose? I'm going to tell you, it's because those roots are digging deep. And through that, you're going to be able to see and know the love of Christ. Many times, it's not the happy days that we get a revelation of God's love. Many times, it's the things in our life that are negative that we will see God's love is there. God's love is with me. God's love is present even in my darkest hour. God's love is there because those roots are digging in deep. Now, it says that we should comprehend. It says comprehend with all the saints the vastness of God's love. Now, this word comprehend is not what it means in the English language. In the English language, it means to fully understand. But in, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, it says that Christ's riches are immeasurable. How can I comprehend that? And as I studied the word in its Greek translation, it means to seize hold of. Comprehend means to seize hold of it. Have you guys ever, maybe it's just me, but I love shopping after Christmas because there's so many good deals. I love a good deal. I remember one time I saw Andy's chocolate mints. You guys know those little green boxes? On sale. Some, something ridiculous. I didn't buy them, but I wanted to because I saw, I comprehended something. That's a good deal. 
And, you know, maybe you, you wanted to buy something because you saw, wow, that's a great deal. But I don't need 40 boxes of chocolates. So what do, you, what do you start to do? You start to reason in your mind. Well, hmm. well, you know, people's birthdays are coming up, and, you know, I can, I can distribute some here. And, you know, um, you know, maybe it's before Christmas. And you're like, well, I guess, you know, I got there's 12 families, and I can, you know, pass. You start figuring out ways to use and find a way to use that resource because you comprehend that it's a good deal. When we discover God's love and comprehend it, we should seize hold of it. Even when your life is good, even when things are great, you seize it because you know you're going to need it. Because you know there's going to be a time in your life where you need to cling on to God's love. And you're going to need it so bad. So take it now. Because it's a good deal. He prayed that we would dwell in Christ's love. Paul prayed that we would be filled with his fullness. And I want to end with this today. Verse 19 says, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Know something that surpasses knowledge. Again, that's kind of weird to understand. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Even though I can't understand the love of the Father, I know it. And I will seize hold of it and I won't let it go. Now, how do you, why would Paul want us to be filled with his fullness, with God's fullness, what does that mean? That means this. God is not happy with 10% of your life. God does not want the leftover. God does not want what you want to give him. He wants you to be filled with everything he has to offer. To be filled with his fullness means a surrender to the Lord. Maybe you're, you're here today or you know someone or you were in a situation before where you just didn't fully surrender to the Lord. You were just, you were just there. God is wanting all of you, everything that you have. Three things that Paul prayed. Strengthen your inner being, that Christ's love would dwell in you, and that you'd be filled with his fullness. And I want to close with this last scripture. It says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask and think according to the power at work within us. It is interesting how this is the last verse of the prayer. Now, maybe in our minds we're thinking, okay, well, man, I gotta, I gotta make some changes in my life. So I guess I'm gonna 
start taking the Lord a little bit more serious in my life, you know, because these things are true. I need all these things. So I'm going to pray. And whatever it is that you pray, maybe you don't have the faith to pray the prayer that God wants you to pray. But God knows. And he's able to give you even more than you've asked for. You think that you're, uh, you know, that you're incapable. But God is able to give you more. He's able to supplement that which you cannot do for yourself. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. According to the power at work within us. I want to tell you this morning, as we bow our heads this morning and close our eyes in reverence to the Lord. You may not know this this morning. Maybe you didn't even think about this. But God's power is already at work in your life. God is already doing something in you. God is at work. And you don't even know it. His word says right here that he's able to do even more abundantly than what we think or ask according to the power at work within us. This morning, maybe... One of these points touched your heart. Maybe you need to begin to strengthen that inner person, that your spirit. Maybe you've been so busy and just caught up with everything that you realized my spirit needs to be strengthened. I need to spend more time in the Word. I need to become more honest with the Lord this morning. Maybe you need to understand, comprehend God's love this morning. Maybe you're holding back this morning. You need to surrender so that God's fullness would just take over your life and change you. I want to open the altars this morning as we come to pray and we sing this song. And as we sing this song, I would like to just invite you. If you need prayer, if you need prayer, just come up and I'll pray for you this morning. I'll, we'll pray with you. But uh, I also want to also extend the invitation. If there's anybody here this morning that would like to give their life to Jesus Christ. Um, I would like you to lift up your hand, and I would like to pray for you this morning. If there's anybody here. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you, that Jesus has a plan for your life. If you surrender your life to him, I promise you that your life will never be the same. If there's anybody here, we'd like to just give anybody the opportunity. Amen.